Do you remember when you made your first dollar and what that made you feel like and what you were thinking? I do. I remember my first birthday party and I remember getting a check and I was so disappointed because um, like as a kid, I always, I kept my money in, in a little uh, bank bag. And I always remember telling my mom, I don't want big bills. I want them all to be dollars so that there was more to count. Right. And so I remember being so disappointed that I got a check because I think it was like for $50 or something. I did this birthday party and I was so disappointed that I didn't have any bills to count. And, um, so I remember my mom driving me to the bank and we got cash out and I put it in my little bank bag. Hey there, you're dialed into reboots featuring stories about people who have been forced to start over in life or in business, all walks of life, anonymous or named high profile or low down stories with heart, soul, and grit. Because knowing and sharing our stories is essential for living a life of joy, experiencing healthy relationships, and impacting the world around us in a positive way. Here's your host, Tracy Winchell. Mason Kessner earned his first dollars as a creative entrepreneur well before he was 12 years old. And so that explains that clip about why he was crushed when his first client handed him a check after he entertained at a birthday party. He wanted the dollars. Episode R022 features the story of this young man who, before his 26th birthday, has launched 11 different startups and counting. We talk about the decision to not go to college and what it was like to break this news to a family of educators. This part of the conversation is particularly instructive for all of us who can learn from Mason's experience about how to have tough conversations like that. Mason is really quick to point out to high school students that it is super important for you to go to college if you're not quite sure what you want to do with your lives and careers. Mason also shares the importance of having a healthy approach toward failure and finding a community of peers, mentors, and friends. Also in this conversation, Mason provides some affordable tips for marketing a retail brand, any brand really, and he shares his daily habits for developing his creative lifestyle and stimulating new ideas. Hey, Mason, thank you for inviting us into your life. I know you've got a really busy schedule, and uh, it's nice of you to make some time to hang out with us today. Absolutely. I'm so very, very excited to uh, to be sitting down with you today, Tracy. You and I have known each other for a long time. And um, when we met, um, you were a really young entrepreneur. You're still a young entrepreneur. Um, <laughs> but I've always been impressed with your creativity and your ability to hustle and to earn a living from that. Yeah, it's, uh, we, we have known each other for a very long time. It, it feels like I was, um, uh, man, almost a completely different lifetime ago somewhat. Um, but yeah, I was, I was right out of high school, um, and kind of just delve into the Fort Smith community when I, uh, first met you. Um, you know, that, that was a, a pretty crazy moment for me. Cause I remember you were working for the city at the time and I was like, Oh my gosh, 
I'm meeting the communications manager for the city. This is nuts. Um, so yeah, that, that was, uh, man, that was definitely a while ago. (laughs) Yeah, it was. Um, tell me a little bit about what your life is like now and your business. And then we'll just kind of, we'll kind of dive into your reboots after we establish who you are now and what your life is like. Sure. Well, um, now I am uh, living in Bentonville, Arkansas. I moved from Fort Smith probably about six months ago, and it was uh, a a professional decision for me uh, more than anything. Um, I love Fort Smith. I love the community and the people, and I always will. Um, But for me, I had a lot of work in in Bentonville um, in the realm of experience and marketing and event production, and that's something that uh, my company baseline uh, that we started in 2016 really has has been starting to focus on. It's uh, taking brands, working with brands um, to craft experiences for them, whether it's uh, them launching a new product or new service, um, and us coming alongside them and being able to have them distribute their product or service in a way that connects um, their audience in in a tangible way. Um, We also work with film festivals and music festivals, um, doing different types of logistics and planning services. Um, And then, you know, of course, we we do some local events as well, uh, still in Fort Smith. So it's it's pretty crazy. The uh, there's never a dull moment, so to say. Uh, it, it, the day starts with coffee and emails and more coffee and meetings and more emails and finishes with more coffee. So uh, okay. it's, it's pretty crazy, but I would not change it uh, for the world. I want to talk a little bit later about the types of events and the result that you want from these events, because this is way deeper than event planning. And I want us to save time to talk about what an experience means to you. And I also hope we have time at the end to talk about the latest books you've been reading, because that's always one of my favorite things to talk with you about. Absolutely. But first, we need to talk about the reboot. And for young people like you um, who are on my show, it is so much fun to talk about your reboot because these reboots occur very early on. And I find it fascinating that that when someone so young begins early with a reboot, identifies it and does something about it, wow, I just think there's tremendous opportunity there. So let's just dive into your reboot right out of high school and a big decision that you had to make. Absolutely. Um, For me, my, my reboot was more of a series of reboots, so to speak, than this big aha moment um, where I was just kind of hit over the head and, you know, did a complete 180 with, with my life. It, it wasn't really anything like that. Um, and I think for me and people my age, that that decision, um, that, that reboot story does happen uh, either while you're in high school or, or following 
um, high school. And for me, that decision was to not go to college. And now in 2018, that is a very common phrase we talk about. We talk about people not going to school and going either straight into the workforce or an internship. But back in 2009, 2010, and that's crazy because it hasn't even been 10 years. But for me, my entire family really has been uh, in the professional realm, um, you know, my my mom was in education. My aunt was the president of the board for a college. Um, you know, it was pretty clear that my life after high school would follow with college and it would follow with education and then follow in, you know, running some sort of either family business or, uh, you know, something that would basically set me up for the rest of my life and, you know, white picket fence and big house and call it done. Um, unfortunately, that was not the path that I chose. And to this day, I am so thankful that um, I did not pursue that career, not not downing or dissing education because I got my education in a very non-traditional way. And so making that decision after high school, I went straight into actually a seminary program. Um, I was running my own business at the time. I had started a photography business in high school um, at the age of 16, and that was kind of sustaining me. Um, I was making a good living. Um, and so I decided that, you know, I would just kind of go for it. Um, I would you know, go to the seminary program. And, um, you know, at the time I really wanted to work in the church. Um, and so I went, went to this program and, uh, it was great. It, you know, it was about a year, year and a half. And, uh, you know, I stayed with the church, uh, that I grew up in essentially for the next really four years of my life after that program. Um, you know, I interned, they, they brought me on staff and, I learned a lot. Uh, I learned a lot about uh, the marketing industry, the production business, um, which you know has directly affected why I love what I'm doing to this day. Um, and so that decision for me not to go to college at that time was not common. Um, you know, most of my friends were going to school. Um, they, you know, were, were getting these big scholarships. They, you know, it was just this really crazy time. And I, I honestly kind of felt like I missed out. Now, looking back, I'm so thankful I'm not in any sort of, you know, college debt or anything like that. Um, but it's so different because people in my industry, we value experience. And I was having actually a conversation earlier this week about, you know, I haven't seen one job description posting in my industry that had really required an education. They all wanted to know what was your level of experience? You know, how proficient are you in this area or this area? Um, you know, it's completely different than if you're going to go be a doctor, you can't just watch Grey's Anatomy and then walk into the operating room. Um, but in the production and creative industry, it's a little bit different. Um, it's, it's a little more street smarts and, um, critical thinking skills, um, than it is, uh, you know, book smarts. So it's, 
it's a different option um, that I think we're seeing more and more uh, decisions like this being made in 2018, especially among young creatives uh, in the field, photographers, videographers, um, people in the marketing industry, because they're capitalizing on the fact that these kids have grown up with social media. And that is the biggest training ground for marketing if I've ever seen one. So um, I was I was fortunate enough to be born at a time where I know what it's like to live without a cell phone and I know what it's like to live with a cell phone. We were kind of that awkward demographic. Um, but the kids now, all they know is Instagram and how to brand and market themselves, which for me, it was you had to learn that. Um, but, you know, now it's, it's right off the bat, you know, these kids out of high school, if they develop their social media following, I mean, I know several individuals that have gone right out of high school into the workforce and they're making, you know, five to $10,000 a month just off Instagram. So it's pretty, pretty, uh, dramatic and to, to, to see kind of the polar opposites of, of what my life would have been like if I had continued on that path, that, you know, my parents had wanted for me. Gosh, we could go down an entire big rabbit hole in <laughs> terms of, of, um, of college loans and, yep. and and the pressure and and all of that. In fact, I was having having lunch with a friend of mine today who's an entrepreneur and and he marvels at young women and men like you who defy the system and the expectations of parents and grandparents my age and his age. So rather than walk down the rabbit hole of of debt and education. Can you walk me through what it was like to, first of all, make that decision that you're not going to college? And second of all, how you communicate that? And third, how you as a family come to some sense of peace with that? Great, great questions. And for me, it was a very emotional decision. Uh, somewhat, I felt like I was letting my family down. Um, I was letting my um, my peers down by not carrying our friendships and our relationships over to kind of the next stage of life, so to speak. It was it was a very emotional decision. It was something that I was met with a lot of questions. Uh, from teachers, from just mentors in my life, really tr trying to understand why I would make that decision. At the time, I really, really wanted to be in ministry. I wanted to work at a church, and essentially, I was given that opportunity. And regardless of whether it was the right choice or not the right choice, as an 18-year-old who had been looking forward to a day like that since they were very, very young, it was a no brainer for me because that's, that's what I wanted to do. Um, and so giving, being given that opportunity, um, even though I was paying for it, uh, it, it, it felt like it was kind of like, Oh my gosh, these people, these mentors that have been in my life for so long, 
finally gave me this opportunity to to do that and to come learn and grow with them and then you know later on in life intern and and work at that church uh it was a big deal and that that was not something to be taken lightly i felt as though i was a little behind everybody once i got out of that program most of my friends were um you know still in school they were they were still pursuing their degree i kind of felt a little lost after that after the fact um and it was it was a it was a point in my life that i i felt like i had missed out now looking back i i don't feel that way at all but at that moment it was definitely uh for me following that program, it was like, oh man, did I make the right decision? And I think it, as an 18 year old, and, and I tell this to young people all the time, you know, for me, I was able to have an income that I was providing for myself. I was working and I was able to make that decision based on my passion and my desire at the time. And I think a lot of time young people are pressured by family, pressured by um, maybe society or social media to do one thing over another. And that decision, you know, could potentially harm them in the future. Now, I always give the disclaimer that, you know, if you don't have any idea what you want to do with your life, if you if you are not at a point where you're able to make a decision based on where you're at financially, you should always go to college because that could be the opportunity uh, that that will help determine the rest of your life and determine what you're interested in. I just was fortunate enough to find that out at at a younger age. And I think more and more people like me are existing today because of social media and because we have the opportunity to do more with access to the internet and access to free education online. Um, you know, most things that you need to know is, especially in the creative industry, you can find creative free resources on the internet. And if you binge watch that stuff starting at the age of 14, by the time you're 18 years old, you've gotten a four year free education and you know, you need to go intern somewhere. (laughs) So it's, it's very, uh, polar opposite um, to what you know my parents went through, um, where there was no access to education like that. Um, so, yeah, it, it was very nerve wracking. It was very emotional. It was very scary. I had no clue what I was doing, but I knew that it felt right. So, what did you tell your family, and how did they react? Uh, well, I sat down and, you know, I basically said that I respect you guys. I love you guys, but I'm making this decision for me. And as an 18 year old doing that, it was really, really hard um, because, you know, you've lived your entire life trying to, you know, live up to expectations or to, um, you know, these ideals that, that, you know, your parents have set out for you that, you know, mentors and people in society have set out and, and having those conversations, especially with the people I loved, it, it took a lot in me to say, I love you guys. I respect you guys, but 
this is, this is my decision. And, um, I think it took a little bit for my mom to get on board. Um, you know, there, there were some tears, uh, especially from a few people in my family, but I think they, that, you know, they'd spent 18 years of their life with me and I, I'm pretty strong. So they knew that there was not really any convincing me otherwise. <laughs> And the flip side is, of that is that it, it helped when you started bringing in income and supporting yourself, I'll bet. It did. Um, you know, knowing that, you know, I, I lived at home. Um, and so I, I was able to to save money that way. But I was working. Um, you know, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't waiting tables or anything by any means. But I, I was running a business. Um, and that was stressful, uh, trying to be in school and run a business uh, it, w- it was really hard, and there were some difficult times, um, especially as a freelance, um, you know, photographer that I was. You know, it was very seasonal work, and so there was a lot of learning about budgeting and learning. You know, you got to pay your bills on time. You know, all these different things that I had to kind of grow up really quickly because my mom basically was like, "Well, if you want to do this, you're going to have to do this." And so that was a big life lesson that I learned that year. Um, was was self support and and self uh, sustainment, you know, on that end. Your photography business was that your and that was in high school. Was that your first business? <laughs> you know, oddly enough, I've I've got a business card sitting on my desk right now that I had found looking through some old boxes. That was from the very first business that I started. Um, and and no, the, the photography business was not the, my first um, dive into this uh, idea of entrepreneurship. I I started, um, I don't know, maybe I was nine or ten years old. I had asked for a bunch of puppets for Christmas. And I developed this whole big idea that I was going to get all these puppets and I was going to do birthday parties for little kids and you know, church services and all kinds of stuff. And so that was my, my first step into the, the realm of entrepreneurship was through, uh, through puppetry. Um, cause I had a big interest in that as a kid. And so I'm like, I'm going to get some puppets and I'm going to start a business. And I did it. I, I made a website. I remember building it at my aunt's house on her computer. Um, it never got published anywhere and making business cards and uh, going out and doing birthday parties um, for kids. <laughs> That's amazing that you knew, what, at eight or nine years old, that you had a penchant for figuring out how to, well, maybe not quite figuring it out, but having a desire that you could make money by your creativity. Yeah. Well, it was definitely inspired by um, actually a guy named Larry Plummer. He he was a kids pastor at the church I grew up at, and you know he he's the I, I say he's the reason I'm as crazy as I am today, just because he is was such a great guy, and he always told me that um, you know anything that I set my mind to, um, I, I was able to do. You know he, he you know we would go and you know, just do all, get into all kinds of crazy stuff because, you know, I wanted to pursue it. You know, I wanted to, to, to figure out things or build this or do that. And he was the, really the first person in my life that just said, okay, let's do it. You know, you've got an idea, let's make it happen. 
And so it was because of him that I was able to kind of have that thought of ambition and that, that thought of, well, maybe I can do this, you know? So yeah, that's kind of where it all started. Do you remember when you made your first dollar and what that made you feel like and what you were thinking? I do. I remember my first birthday party and I remember getting a check and I was so disappointed because, um, like as a kid, I always, I kept my money in, in a little, uh, bank bag. And I always remember telling my mom, I don't want big bills. I want them all to be dollars so that there was more to count. Right. And so I remember being so disappointed that I got a check because I think it was like for $50 or something I did this birthday party. And I was so disappointed that I didn't have any bills to count. And um, so I remember my mom driving me to the bank and we got cash out and I put it in my little bank bag. Um, but yeah, it, the, that feeling of, of being really satisfied and knowing that I put in all this work um, to, to achieve this goal and I did it you know, and people loved it. I just remember people having a great time and enjoying what we were doing. I mean, there was like six of us that, you know, I had organized from church that, you know, we were going to go out and do these birthday parties. And, um, it was just this feeling of an overwhelming sense of, you know what, I made somebody happy through, through what I did, through the thought and the, the preparation that we, uh, we had, we made somebody happy. And I think that really, to me, set set the pace for uh, production for, you know, the industry that I'm in now. I want us to come back to some creative habits in a little bit. But first, I want to shift gears from success and what that feels like to your take on failure, because already mm. at this point – in your young life, you are a vastly experienced entrepreneur. You are fearless in trying new things. And I know you've experienced failure. What's your approach to that? I run into failure um, all the time. And for me, I lean into it. Um, I try to listen to it. I try to uh, learn from it. Um, you know, people, people tell you all the time, you know, don't be afraid to fail. Don't be, you know, or, you know, you've got to, you've got to look fear in the eyes and just go for it. But it's so much uh, easier said than done. And I think so many of us have this idea that um, we can't fail because we've created this brand or this company. And, you know, if we fail, it's all going to be lost. You know, what do people think? You know, what if I lose my investors? What if I lose, you know, my friends or, you know, whatever it might be? For me, I mean, I think I'm, I'll be 26 in April of 2018. And living 25 years, I think I've been part a part of something like, uh, like, I don't know, maybe like 11 different startups to date. And Almost every one of them have failed. Uh, and so for me, those have only given, given me more strength and more knowledge to move on to the next thing. Um, through every failure, there is a lesson to be learned. 
Um, you know, I, I had to fail at, um, you know, sustaining a puppet business in order for me to move on to the next thing, which was opening a recording studio in my garage. Like, you know, I had to, I had to fail at those things in order to move on to something better. And there's, there's a, a great time to start. There's also a great time to quit. Um, you know, people talk about, we just have to keep pursuing your passions and pursuing your dreams and, and all of this. But I'm a firm believer that it's okay to fail. It's okay to quit. It's okay to evaluate, okay, I've exhausted my resources in this, whether it's time or money or people, and it's, it's time to walk away. Um, you know, I, if, you know, some of your viewer or your listeners might be like me and they come up with, you know, 10,000 ideas, you know, every hour and, you know, there's no way to execute all of those ideas, nor would you want to. Um, but the ones that you do choose to act on, you always have that in the back of your mind, this is going to fail, but it's kind of like a sword in your back, almost just kind of like poking you to keep going knowing that one day, you know, you might, you might get to a point where you you're up against a wall and that swords against your back and you just have to call it done. Um, so I embrace it. I really, really embrace it. And I'm not afraid to admit that I failed. And I think a lot of that, um, I, a lot of us sometimes are afraid to admit that. And I, I was at a point in my life once where I was like, I'm not going to admit to failure, you know, it looks awful if I do, you know, I've put in so much time, so much effort already um, that it, it's like I, I can't admit or own up to this. But I, I think it's humbling. I really, really do knowing that, OK, I can't take this any further or I've messed up or, you know, I've you know, I've messed up with clients. I've messed up with relationships with business deals. I've messed up with all of those things, but I think owning up to that failure of like, okay, you know what? I messed up, but it's not the end of the world. I'm still standing or, or maybe you've, you know, you've fallen down and gotten dirty, but you know, you're able to pick yourself back up and say, okay, what did I learn from this? And how can I not repeat this again? <laughs> um, you know, and, and I'm finally at the point where some things are coming full circle uh, for the first time in my life. And I'm able to say, nope, I'm not going into that business deal, or I'm not going to pursue this, this, uh, client or, you know, whatever that might be, because I've been there before. I recognize that either I'm going to mess up or they're going to mess up or, or whatever it might be if I get myself involved in this. So it's, it's kind of comforting to know that it's finally coming full circle that you're able to recognize the past mistakes that you've made and, and not make them again. How important for you is community in not making those mistakes again, or even helping you sort out the risks of something that you're trying to do and understanding how expensive it might be versus the reward that you might get if you indeed dive into something risky? Community is so important. Um, you know, I think, you know, that firsthand because I, I tell you a lot of, you know, what I'm going through and always having those people that are in your inner circle, um, that really are able to give you 
unbiased feedback and help you evaluate the right choice in the situation is so, 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 so important. You know, I have a, I have a group of about five people in my inner circle that I can call or, you know, sit down and have coffee with and say, Hey, here's the deal. I don't know how to navigate this. What do you think I should do? Um, that, that community is an essential backbone. It's a, it's a support system. Um, that if I didn't have, uh, it, it would, man, I don't know where I'd be. Uh, you know, people who say they've done it all by themselves, um, haven't really accomplished a lot because it's, it's not, you, you can't do it by yourself. You have to have that support group of individuals speaking into your life, whether it's negative or positive. You know, I, I get a lot of feedback from people that is super positive that I, then I will ask someone, and they'll give me a different response and I'll be like, okay, why, you know, it, it almost, it's like, okay, why did you respond that way? Because everybody else thinks it's a great idea. And so having that network really, really helps that. I'm fortunate enough to be able to live with, with two people that are in that, that network. And, uh, you know, so we have those conversations at wee hours of the night all the time about, you know, should we do this? Should we not do this? What happens if we do Will we be able to pay rent next month if we if we pursue this idea? Um, so that that community is is essential. What are the attributes that you look for in someone who you can have a relationship like that with? I think the attributes in someone that is in my inner circle um, is someone who's no BS, um, someone who will tell it like it is. Uh, my one of my favorite things is that when I've done something wrong and I don't know it, someone who can bring it to my attention. Um, I've got one individual who, you know, every time, you know, we, we meet or, or have, have a meeting and there's something wrong. I always know it, um, because they'll, they'll say, okay, we got to get a few things out of the way first. And I love those conversations because it means that a, I've built trust with that person that they feel comfortable telling me that I've done something wrong and B that they've got my back, you know, having, having someone that has your back and that will tell you, Hey, you know, if you continue doing things like this, this is going to be the outcome. Or, you know, you, you've got to work on this over here because, you know, you might, you might not be able to get to this project or, or this thing in the future. So having those honest, genuine relationships are so, so important. And I would challenge, you know, everyone, all of your listeners that if, if they don't have anybody, whether they're in the, the business or not, you know, having those people in your life that can say, Hey, you messed up. Hey, you're doing great. You know, having those people are so important. And those are kind of the qualities that I look for. What's your best daily creative habit? Mm, my best daily creative habit. Coffee doesn't count. Coffee does not count, man. No. Uh, um, I think for me, waking up, and I always start my day with coffee and some sort of text, whether it is a book. Um, I subscribe to Seth Godin's. Uh, blog and I always have that at like 5:30 in my inbox every morning and um, you know if I'm 
have a crazy day and I'm not able to spend 30 minutes or an hour reading, I'll, I'll look at that email and he always has something witty and creative to say. But for me, I think it's, it's definitely reading. Um, it's definitely text because I challenge my brain in, in ways through reading that I don't think conversation does sometimes. Um, when you're reading different perspectives constantly, whether it's coming from someone in the creative business or the leadership community or the, the biblical community, um, always constantly challenging your brain to think and see things differently is so very important because I've woken up and been thinking about a, a project or something and I will read, um, you know, a chapter in a book or, um, you know, hear a podcast and it will completely change whether it's relevant or not. It'll completely change how I look at the situation. And so I think getting an outside perspective um, through reading, through listening to podcasts, that's one thing I've been doing a lot recently. And partly because of you um, is, is listening to podcasts and seeking out those people that are in my field and just almost gorging on their uh, their podcasts is is so so very important i know you've written about this in fact your blog post on your best reads of 2017 inspired me to do the same at rebootspodcast.com so this is a fair question even though we didn't prepare for it the best book you read in 2017 ooh um, so this is this. I promise you, this is a genuine, honest answer. But um, it was actually the book that you let me borrow that I have not given back yet. Um, but it. Uh, oh my gosh! And now I have forgotten the title. Oh, okay. real artists we, don't starve. Artists Jeff Goins. Starve. Yes, Jeff Goins. That's right. Um, that book, honestly, I have read it twice now. And um, I've recommended that to so many people. That book, man, holy cow. And it, it, it wasn't even that it was life-changing in the sense of, um, you know, its content or anything, but it kind of reaffirmed my thought process. Um, and it really is an all-around great creative read for those getting in the industry for those that are in the industry or maybe they're a little bit um burnt out on on being kind of an artist or a musician or or someone like us who's kind of in the creative freelance world that was probably one of my favorite reads for for 2017 um Another one was uh, The Care and Feeding of Ideas by Bill Backer. Um, he developed the, uh, the Coca-Cola, I'd Like to Buy the World a Coke campaign. And in that book, he talks about what it means to really, truly be a creative and that, you know, nothing is truly original and, you know, everything is borrowed from a different influence and um, so that, that, that book too was, was pretty good for 2017. I know that was two things, but they're both good. I would have been surprised if you just, if you just picked <laughs> one and yeah, real artists don't starve is pretty spectacular. It, I think there were what, six or seven tenants yes. that if you 
if you want to make money through creativity, there are these things that you must do. One of them yeah. is actually charge for your work. One is surround yourself with a community. Um, another one is borrow, don't steal. Yep. And um, I know I'm leaving some out, but they're very practical and implementable. Absolutely. Well, and it's not, you know, I'm never one on self-help books. I will read those. Um, and then I'll toss them in a box and they'll never be seen again. But, you know, there are very few reads to me because there's so much stuff that's available on creatives and how to live your life and the six things that people do that make over $50 million a year, or, you know, whatever. Um, you know, you've got to get up before 5 a.m. You've got to have five types of different coffee and tea available to you, you know, whatever. Like all of that stuff is, I mean, you know, Mark Zuckerberg sleeps, sleeps till 10 a.m. every day. So it's one of those things that I don't subscribe to that. But but that book, that was a really, really good practical book that isn't self-help. It's it's just like, hey, these are fundamental ideas that if you get it, um, it'll really help you. We're recording this in January 2018. What are you going to read in the morning as part of your best creative ritual? Oh, so I am uh, reading a few different books and I like a lot of um, biblical books uh, just because that's I'm, I'm a pretty uh, uh, I, I've got to feed my soul uh, differently than I feed my kind of creative uh, juices, so to speak. So I always rotate two different books. And um, the book that I'm reading now that I started last week is by uh, Matt Chandler. And it's older. It came out I don't know, maybe 2015, 2016. But it's called To Live is Christ, To Die is Gain. Um, that That's the one I'm reading right now. Oops, I just totally dropped it. It's sitting on my desk. Um, and I haven't started a creative book yet. Um, I'm kind of looking at a few um, right now that, uh, that I'm looking to get, but yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. That's, that's the one book I've got right now, um, that I've been reading. So let's talk about the types of experiences that you have built and what you want companies to get out of sponsoring unique experiences and what you want guests to receive from these elaborate, sometimes simple experiences that your brain just kind of pops out. <laughs> sure. Well, I, I think that for us, we have really dived into this, this idea of experience and partnering experience with your brand. And what does that mean? Uh, you know, it's kind of a buzzword right now in the marketing community. And for us, it's, it's anything that is tangible that connects your idea, your vision to someone. It could be a customer, it could be a guest, it could be, um, you know, just a group of friends. Um, any, anything that is tangible that people can engage with and, and get something out of. You know, for us, we started really heavily last year putting together uh, events and, and growing this idea of experience in Fort Smith. Um, a lot of that was spurred because of the unexpected. Um, you know, our mural project that's, that's based in Fort Smith. 
um, that gave us permission almost. <laughs> um, you know, we talk about not not needing um, someone to tell us we can do something. Um, but that, you know, for me was kind of a green light that, hey, Fort Smith is is kind of cool and we can really grow this thing. And that that was kind of the green light for us to to kind of run with it. We started our, our first experience was him apparel. It's a, it's a clothing company that we started in uh, late, late 2016 and kind of carried over into 2017. And we did a pop-up shop for five days in downtown Fort Smith during the unexpected. And we, we brought in musicians and it was just crazy fun. And that was our first test, uh, project. And, you know, we had over 5,000 people come through the space. We sold a ton of products. We had some great sponsors that I feel got some great exposure. Um, it helped connect their brand to, their demographic in a very different way. And a a lot of experience is designed to do that. It's designed for you to see a brand in a different light and, and make that brand loyalty even stronger. Um, so that, that kind of was a, a determining factor for us having the success of that experience say, okay, we can move forward with this idea and do more things. And, and we followed that up with kind of a bigger party uh, to benefit Hope Campus um, in November. And then, you know, we've got about four different things on the table for 2018 that we're going to be able to really provide quality, quality um, artists, musicians, education, um, and experience to Fort Smith, to Northwest Arkansas, Um in some cool ways, you know, it obviously takes a lot of money. Um, putting these things together is not cheap. And that's where, when we look at brands, you know, brands outside of Arkansas, for the most part, when you're talking about Dallas or New York, LA, they understand when we're talking about experience and what that means. But some smaller businesses, um, you know, brands here locally, Fort Smith, Northwest Arkansas, um, they don't really know what that means or how to connect that. You know, it could be something as simple as if you're an online retailer, do a pop-up shop, you know, take the weekend and rent a space and, and go throw some product, uh, you know, in a space and, and call a bunch of your friends and have them come down and purchase it and, you know, serve some coffee or cocktails while you're doing it. You know, it doesn't have to be this crazy over the top hundred thousand dollar production to be cool. Um, and that, is what I think for us, you know, when we try to produce an event or work with a brand, you know, we try to do it in a very authentic way. We, we try to do it in a manner that it's not forced, but it really represents their business and their, their vision, um, and, and what they're trying to achieve. So for us moving forward, especially in 2018, you know, we really want to craft these experiences to where, it's good for the brand, but it's also good for the guest or the consumer, um, you know, whoever that target audience is to get something out of it because these are meant to disrupt. They're meant to challenge um, because we're not seeing a lot of that here in, in Northwest Arkansas and Fort Smith. And so that's, that's one thing I, the, the value that we create for the brand, um, you know, it's, if we connect them with the right 
person, customer, whatever that might be, um, that, that is kind of invaluable, um, that, that value creation there. So I'm excited, um, you know, people attending these events, you know, especially like the, the event we had in November that benefited Hope Campus, you know, we were able to come together, support great local artists, great musicians, but also have a clothing drive and a canned food drive for a new, you know, organization in Fort Smith that needed our help. And, you know, I wish we could have done a whole lot more, but, you know, there, there will be more events. And so it's not just about coming together and having a party. Um, it's really much, much deeper than that. I think one of the things that you do quite well that you probably don't know you do well, because you're sort of being modest here, I think, you've worked on big branding projects actually all over the world. And so you're talking about the projects that you are working to direct and produce and and bring to the table, but you have gained experience and education by working on some huge projects all over the world. And so you know what a great project is going to look like, but your challenge is sharing that vision here locally. The opportunity is you have a great opportunity to own the space once it catches on, right? That you're managing your own expectations even as you teach and share and educate and also let things kind of catch up here. Absolutely. And one of our biggest goals um, from, from my perspective from baseline, but also I know, uh, you know, a group of pretty forward thinking individuals in Fort Smith is to really set Fort Smith apart um, as a community that supports creatives, supports young entrepreneurs, supports musicians, supports artists, you know, whatever the medium might be, we want you to know that you're welcome here. Um, and I think challenge is to, to create that environment and through, through what we're able to do, um, with the events, although just now starting out in Fort Smith, we're able to kind of own that space. You know, for us as young creatives, there are so many people, you know, for example, like Grant Thomas, who you had um, on on Reboots, um, you know, late last year, you know, guys like Grant and others in the community that have really, really, really kind of seen this movement happen and are jumping on board, you know, that's why we're doing it. Um, and you know, we're competing against ourselves, <laughs> you know, we're not really competing against anybody else really for the space. We're just trying to, to create cool stuff and have a good time doing it. And, you know, raise, raise awareness that, you know, creatives are welcome in Fort Smith. You know, we're, we're going to, we're going to do everything we can to create an outlet for people to come and express themselves, um, and so I, I think that that's the big lesson here is that uh, we're we're ready to go, and you know we want to do that with a standard of excellence. And so for us, we're always trying to outdo ourselves. And you know, yeah, we we've been baseline has been a part of things all over the place, um, but locally, it's something that 
we want to create our own vibe. You know, we're, we're able to bring in these outside influences that we've been a part of in other cities um, across the country, you know, across the world and bring it back to Fort Smith. And I think that's the cool thing is that we're seeing so many people come back to Fort Smith and invest time, invest money in, in creating the best environment it can for other young uh, creatives to, to take part in. Since we have talked a lot about books, that's usually the last question. Um, and I love talking books with you. Thank you. Um, our very last question instead today will be advice or encouragement for a young entrepreneur or <laughs> any entrepreneur who has a great idea and doesn't know how to get started or is stuck in the middle of an idea and is not quite sure where to turn next? It's mm. a great question. Um, for me, I know that I always reach out to the people around me. Um, if I'm stuck or if I don't know what the next step is, um, I always reach out. The power of ask is so important. And if, if you have the ability if you have the people around you, I mean, my goodness, email me, email Tracy um, to to reach out and ask. It is so, 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 so important that you do so because there are so many people willing to help, um, you know, whether you're in Arkansas, whether you're in California, you know, whether you're listening from London, you know, it. If you have that ability to just ask, ask someone around you, ask, ask someone that you might feel intimidated to ask, you know, send that person an email that you look up to your favorite author, your favorite artist. Don't, don't think they're unattainable. Reach out, send an email, send a text message, uh, because that, that outreach is so, so, so very important. And you never know what the result's going to be. The worst they can say is no, or the worst they can say is yes, but let me get back to you later on that. Reaching out is so important. Also, I like to change my atmosphere. You know, as creatives, sometimes we get stuck because we've been sitting at home for the past week trying to accomplish this project or write this blog or book or, you know, whatever it is, change your environment. I love to travel. I'm kind of an addict when it comes to traveling because that's where I pull in my creative juices. You know, every time I step off that plane into LGA in New York, um, aside from the horrible smell, um, I just get so inspired because it is, it's not my current environment. It's not where, um, I'm comfortable. And so you if you have the ability, even if it's 30 minutes to a, to a, a different town, get out, um, you know, change your environment up. And then lastly, say create some sort of habit, you know, whether it is disciplining yourself to sit down and read for 30 minutes a day, or that's getting out and walking or going to the gym Find a way that you can get away from your project without having to travel and something that's proactive, that stimulates your mind, stimulates your body, 
and just kind of changes the the mood, changes your tone. Because I, I, I feel like as, as soon as you're able to walk away from the project and walk away from what you're stuck from, um, it'll help you. And same advice goes for the people that, you know, are, are willing to take that risk on that idea. You know, ask, ask someone if it's a good idea for one, um, and, and get out and learn and, and go see what other people are doing. Um, because that's, you never know until you reach out until you see, um, you know, in a change your environment, uh, really, um, if you can make that, make that idea or that dream happen or not. So that, those would be my, my top three things, uh, to recommend. Are you sure you're not even 26 years old yet? I will be 26 on April 22nd, 2018. Check your birth certificate. (laughs) So wise. Thank you for your time, Mason. I am so proud of you and, uh, lucky to get to do life sometimes with you. And, uh, you've taught me a lot about business already. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, Tracy. It's been such a pleasure to introduce Reboots Nation to my friend Mason. When we met, he was just out of high school, having just made that decision to bypass college. Following Mason on social media is a whole lot of fun. We're going to link you up to his accounts in the show notes at rebootspodcast.com forward slash episode two three. We're also going to connect you to Mason's lifestyle blog. It's at masonkessnerblog.com where he writes about everything from entrepreneurship and fashion to intention and social change. If someone you know might benefit from Mason's story, it's really easy to share it. Just go to that show notes page, rebootspodcast.com forward slash episode two three. Tap the share button on the podcast player and you'll be able to share it to Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn. I'm Tracy Winchell and we'll see you next time. Deo Valente. We hope this episode has helped you in some way. If so, we'd love to hear from you. Maybe someone you care about might benefit from the Reboots Podcast. It's easy to share from our website, rebootspodcast.com. The Reboots Podcast is a production of Winchell Storyworks Incorporated, a company dedicated to helping businesses and individuals know, share, and live their stories in order to impact the world around us in a positive way and to achieve financial freedom. 